0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through New Beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Did you come expecting? Amen. You came hungry? To hear from the Lord? Amen. To get to know Him intimately? Be better acquainted with him. Amen. He won't disappoint us. Before we get started, I'd like to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. We come tonight, Father, with ears to hear what he, your spirit, would speak to each one of our hearts as he ministers individually and intimately to each one of us. Father, as the word goes forth, we know that the Spirit of God will move to confirm your word with signs and wonders. We're so thankful, Father, that you are here in the person of the Holy Spirit. Father, have your way tonight through the Spirit of God to perfect everything that concerns each one of us. We have an expectation for illumination. We have an expectation... For revelation, Father, as you give us liberally all we need, everything pertaining to life and godliness, according to our knowledge, our intimate knowledge of you, and specifically your spirit. We thank you for everything in advance, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Well, our goal tonight is stability in our spiritual growth and maturity and in order for us to be stable Christians and mature believers, it's imperative that we have a biblically accurate perspective, not just intellectually, but intimately, first-hand knowledge of who God is. Amen? Tonight, we're looking at the person of God, the Holy Spirit. Last week, Pastor introduced his series, and this is actually part two, although he said that he really didn't get to his notes very much last week, so... I'm gonna be covering some of his notes from last week as well as our our teaching tonight on the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to the believer. It is impossible to really know who God is apart from our intimate first-hand knowledge of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, they're one and the same. It is impossible for a human being, for a person to experience salvation without the Spirit of God revealing to our hearts individually who Jesus Christ is. And it's impossible to hear from God without learning to recognize the voice of his Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes this all possible. And I think that this is the perfect time for pastor to be teaching this series as we lead up to Easter. Because without the Holy Spirit, without the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection would be impossible, amen? Because the word of God, excuse me, <clears throat> and excuse me if, as I clear my throat tonight, in Jesus' name, I pray that I won't have to do that often for our taping. The Holy Spirit, now I coughed and I lost my train of thought. The Holy Spirit, the word of God tells us, is the power that not only raised Jesus Christ from the dead or rec- resurrected the Lord Jesus Christ, but he is the power that took Jesus from the earth and caused him to go and, into heaven and seated him at the right hand of God. That's power. That is mighty, mighty power. The Holy Spirit could not be poured out though on the earth until Jesus paid for our sins, until he shed his blood and until he rose from the dead. Because the word of God tells us that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. So until Jesus completed his obedience, fulfilled his obedience on the cross, and then resurrected from the dead, the Holy Spirit couldn't come to this earth. But aren't you glad that he did? Amen? Amen? Our key scripture tonight is found, if you want to turn in your Bibles or look in your Bible apps, to the seventh chapter of John. And a little backstory here is the the Jews at the time in Jerusalem were celebrating the Feast of Booths, which is also known as the Feast of Tabernacles, which is nowadays called the Feast of Sukkot. And at the time, Jesus' disciples were asking him, are you going to be going to Jerusalem? Are you going to be going to celebrate this feast? And at first... He he didn't lead on that he was. We're not going to go into the detail or minutia of this scripture, but it's important to know what was going on when Jesus went to Jerusalem, which he did do after his disciples. He sent them on before him. So he is in Jerusalem at this time, and the word of God, the Apostle John states in verses 37 through 39 in the New King James, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But then the apostle John says this, But this he, meaning Jesus, spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him and believing in Jesus would receive, For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. I like the the Passion Translation of John 7, which states, Then on the most important day of the feast, which was the last day, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, All you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me, so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit that believers were being prepared to receive, but the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out upon them because Jesus had not yet been unveiled in his full splendor. Amen? Now, Jesus at this point in the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, starts to begin to speak of this spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's starting to prepare those who will believe in him about the Holy Spirit and their need to receive him. The Holy Spirit, or I'm gonna say it this way for the purpose of teaching tonight, God, the Holy Spirit, is the third person of the Trinity, or we could also say the Godhead. The doctrine of the Trinity means that there is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons. The Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In other words, God is one in essence, but he's three, that looks like six, He's three in person, so he's one complete oneness in essence, but he's three in in three distinct persons. One is not greater than the other. None is more essentially divine than the rest. I remember as I was studying that I thought when I was a younger Christian, and I didn't really think it, you know how you just... Don't realize how things, there are some subconscious thoughts that you hold and then one day you realize that that was an erroneous belief as you're studying the word and the Holy Spirit shows you what the truth is and we're going to see that he is the spirit of truth. But I actually thought that it was almost like a ranking, like God the Father, because he's mentioned first, so he's number one. God the Son or Jesus Christ, he's number two the second member of the Godhead, and the Holy Ghost is number three. It was almost like it was a a ranking in a competition or the Olympics with the gold, silver, and bronze. Like the Father's bronze and the Holy Ghost, he's just, I mean, the Father's gold and the Holy Ghost is bronze, but that's not the truth. They are one in their divinity and their essence. They are completely one, and they always do things united. They never do, one does not, there's no strife in the Godhead. They always are in perfect unity, and they are always doing the same thing and moving in harmony together. Amen? Amen? So what is this evidence for the Trinity that I'm talking about? We're told in the word of God in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, before Jesus shed his blood, that there was something called the law of witnesses. I've taught on this before, and in short, or simply said, it means that we shouldn't accept something as doctrine in the word of God unless it can be established by two or three witnesses. So tonight we're going to look at two witnesses or evidence for the Trinity, which is also called the Godhead. The first one I'm look at, we're going to look at is found in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. I'm reading from the New King James Bible. Then Jesus when he had been baptized, came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God, or God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove, not a dove, but like a dove, and alighting upon him. And suddenly, a voice from heaven, God the Father, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So in this portion of Matthew 3, we see Jesus mentioned first. We see the spirit of God, uh, of the Holy Ghost or the, the spirit of God being likened to a dove, alighting on Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, we hear of, that there's a voice from heaven where God the Father is, speaking from heaven, telling those that were there that Jesus was his beloved son. The second witness is found in 1 John chapter 5 verse 7. For there are 3 that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word which is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and these 3 are 1, 1 in essence and 3 in person. To the believer in Jesus, God is our Father. He's our savior. He is the spirit who lives in us, amen? So God is our father, he is our savior, and he is the spirit that lives in us. That's all God, whether it's the person of the father, the person of the son, or the person of the Holy Spirit. He's all powerful, he's all present, and he's all knowing. His nature or identifying characteristic or attributes of God, we know God is love, amen. The word also says that God is holy, and to be holy means to be distinct, separate, and a class all by yourself. We know that God is faithful, and the word also says that God is merciful, amen? Jesus is God the Son, and he's the second person of the Trinity, He's eternally God. In John 1.1, 1, 1, in the NIV, we, one through three, we read, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The word of God is Jesus Christ. He is the word that became flesh And the Bible says in the Gospel of John that he dwelt among us. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 13.8 tells us that he, meaning Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's both eternal God, and he's the second person of the Godhead. He came to this earth. He had an assignment. He had a purpose he came to take upon himself human form in order that we as men and women or mankind could identify with him. He became our savior by dying in our place and purchasing for us our position with God the Father. He offers salvation to whosoever will believe in him. He's not, he doesn't, he's not exclusive in his love. Amen? He loves Sinner and saint, exactly the same, and he desires that all would be saved. Amen? Amen. He is the Savior. He's Lord. He's our healer to all who have received him. He is the Lamb of God who takes away or took away the sin of the world. He is our eternal Savior who came to this earth to reveal The Father to each one of us and to be our scapegoat and to take the punishment that we deserved. Amen. He took it on himself. He became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Him. Thank God for Jesus. God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. If we were to ask, like, if we were to ask one another, just banter about, like, who is the Holy Ghost to? Like if somebody said to you, well, tell me about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, some of us might say, well, he's like a force, like let the force be with you. Right? You hear people talk about the Holy Spirit or God as their higher power. Some believe that the Holy Spirit is some sort of neutral, like invisible, like mystical, like unknown, you can never know, he's like the wind, you can't know him. He comes and he goes here and there, and it's, it's impossible to know, you know God works in mysterious ways. That's not what the word of God teaches about the Holy Spirit. He is powerful, but he's not just an energy working somewhere in the world and aloof for us not to know, or is is a force or a power that accomplished creation and did something long ago, but he's no longer operative on the world today. Nothing could be further from the truth. And we're going to see right now that the Holy Spirit is so much more than that. He's a person, not a force or a wind, or a dove, Matthew 3.16 tells us that he alighted on Jesus like a dove. The word has never said that he is a dove. He has the characteristics of a person. He thinks, he speaks, he has emotions, he feels, and he has a will. There's a quote by a theologian um, named Joan E. Taylor and she gives a, a different perspective about the alighting of the Spirit of God on, G, on Jesus in Matthew 3.16 when he was being water baptized by John the Baptist. And this is what she said. She, she got this perspective after she had been in Israel. She, after being swooped by a territorial dove in the Holy Land. And this is what she said. I can verify that a dove coming down on someone with wings flapping, is something like a very powerful rush of wind striking one's head. This description seems much more in line with the Hebrew word for the Holy Spirit, which is ruach, or you have to get the <laughs> in there. So it's ruach. <laughs> I didn't get anybody in the front row tonight. Amen. And that word means wind in Hebrew. And it also fits with the way that the Spirit of God landed on the disciples like a rushing wind or after Jesus' resurrection. And I like the idea that the Spirit of God swooped down this way with a determined force as he alighted on the Lord Jesus Christ with a determination and a purpose, amen? And it's amazing when I think about it today that we have the exact same access to this spirit, amen? He's living, he's chosen to make his permanent abode, not check into a hotel church, but make his permanent home in every one of us who has believed on Jesus and received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. God's spirit abides in us, that's amazing. The Holy Spirit is determined to do the following things, To bring us to Jesus, to reveal the Word of God, to impart wisdom to us, and to manifest His gifts through us. When Jesus taught on the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John in chapters 14, 15, and 16, He referred to the Holy Spirit as He. And it's important to know that the Holy Spirit is a He, He's not an It. John 14, 16 through 17. In this portion of scripture, we're going to see that referring to the Holy Spirit, he or him is mentioned five times. And it's Jesus speaking. It's in red letters. And he said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. In some versions or renderings, it says he will give you another helper. But the paracletos is actually very accurately describing a coach, and it's easy for us to grasp what a coach does when we think of a coach in basketball, a coach in football, a coach in baseball, a coach in singing, an acting coach. So Jesus said that he was going to pray or ask the Father, and the Father was going to give to the disciples and to us another counselor that would be with us forever, and he called him the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. Amen? The Holy Spirit is intelligent. Obviously, he has to be. He's God. He's all-wise, and he's all-knowing. 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, tells us, no one knows the mind of God except the Spirit of God who searches all things. The Holy Spirit is all-wise, all-knowing, and he is extremely intelligent. He has feelings. Just like when someone does something that causes us sadness and grief, so we also produce a similar emotional response to the Holy Spirit when we hurt others or we reject him. We can see this in the book of Ephesians, chapter four, verses 29 through 32. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification or for building up, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And here we go. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So we see in this portion of Scripture that the Holy Ghost has feelings, he can actually be grieved. I know during service sometimes we'll be in worship and the presence of God, the glory of God is just so heavy in here and you you sense the spirit of God moving and wanting to accomplish something and then something happens. I'm not gonna say what it would be but something goes on in the service with, you know, whatever and you can actually feel the spirit of God almost stop. And it's very frustrating because you, do, you want him to continue to move. You want him to manifest himself and meet the needs of our brothers and sisters of the body of Christ. So it's so important that as we get to know him, as we get to experience his presence, we get to recognize his voice, that we cooperate with, we partner with the Holy Spirit so that we don't grieve him by our actions, amen? Amen. He has a will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. The same God. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one, and these are are ways that the spirit of God will manifest in our midst, in our lives. This is how he wants to give evidence of him acting in our lives. To one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit, that faith means the gift of special faith, amen? (coughs) I'm so sorry. (coughs) Excuse me. To another gifts, plural, of healings, by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongue, tongues or diverse tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But listen, church, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Have you heard teaching before <clears throat> that says, well, if the Spirit of God is gonna move it's up to him and it's, it's if, he, if he wills. Have you heard that before, it's if he wills? Well, he's the same, we're gonna see this in a minute. He's the same spirit as the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Was Jesus willing to heal? Yes. Amen, he healed all manner of sickness and disease because God was with him. He did everything he did as a man on this earth anointed by the Holy Spirit. So it was Jesus' will to heal. Did Jesus deliver people from sickness and disease and demonic activity? Yes. Yes. For those that died, did he raise the dead? Yes. Yes. Did he heal the brokenhearted? Yes. Yes. It was always his desire. He came to earth to show what God the Father was to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, here and now, so that people could ex- experience the kingdom of God. He would go about preaching, the kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God is hand at hand, and he'd tell people to repent, or stop doing what you're doing, and turn and go in the direction that I'm talking to you about, to receive all that God has for you to receive. So it was always Jesus's will, and church, it's always the Holy Spirit's will, but he determines the how, and the when of it, because he knows how to bring glory to God the Father and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Some of the names which the Bible uses to describe the activity and the personality of the Holy Spirit are the Spirit of Holiness, which is found in Romans 1.4. I'm not going to read the references to you because you see them up on the screens right now. The Spirit of Holiness... The Holy Spirit of promise, the Spirit of grace, the comforter, the Spirit of truth, amen? This is how we see the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit described and his activity in the word of God. Now, Jesus wanted his disciples to be thoroughly equipped when he left this earth, he only spent a short period of time with them three years, three and a half years. And he wanted, he had taught them, he had coached them, he instructed them, he empowered them, but he was gonna be leaving the earth and he was gonna be sending the Holy Spirit. So he started in chapter 7 of John to talk about the Holy Spirit, but he went in depth about the Holy Spirit in chapters 14. 15, and 16 of the Gospel of John. And that's where we're going to kind of camp out for the rest of the night. So Jesus informed the apostles in chapter 14 of John that he was going to be leaving them soon and returning to the Father. And can you imagine how they must have felt? Pastor often says, <clears throat> put yourself in their shoes. Here you've been living with, eating with, Focusing on, spending all of your time intimately acquainted with Jesus Christ. You've seen incredible miracles. You've seen the lame walking. You've seen the blind seeing. You've seen food multiplied. You've seen the wind and the waves obeying his words, his voice. And then all of a sudden, one day, he says to you, I'm going. I'm going away. I'm going to go back. I'm gonna go back and be with the Father. Can you imagine how they must have felt? Well, what's gonna happen? To, happen to us if you're not here? So he wanted to prepare them. He wanted his final words to them, to be preparing them for what was gonna be coming next, to know that he, in the form of the Spirit of God or the person of the third member or person of the Trinity or Godhead, was gonna be with them, forever, was going to be with them always. So he started to teach them. In John 14, verses 2 and 3, he said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. So he was kind of giving them, tying them to a future event to say to them, I'm going to believe I'm going to be absent for a little while, but I'm going to go, where I'm going, I'm, I'm preparing a place for you, and I am going to come back to receive you and bring you with me so that you can be with me always. He let them know, in a sense, the end so that he could calm their emotions and quell their fears. And then he promised in verse 16, he said this, I will pray the Father. And they they were pretty certain that when Jesus prayed, he got answers, he got results, because they said to him, teach us how to pray. We want to know how to pray like you pray. So he taught them the disciples' prayer, the pattern of the our Father, the Lord's Prayer. He saw him stand in front of the tomb of Lazarus and speak out and pray to God. And he, Jesus was like, you know, Father, I'm not doing this for me. I know you hear me, hear me always, but I'm doing this for those that are around me so that they can know. He, they knew when Jesus prayed, he got results. So this had to be very comforting for them when he promised them that he was gonna be going to the Father on their behalf and he was going to pray for another another comforter, another helper, another coach, that he, meaning the Holy Spirit, May abide with you forever. Now it's interesting to, no, to note that in the Greek language, there are two different words for the word that we translate as, an, as another. One is the word heteros, or I'm not Greek, so it could be heteros. One is heteros or heteros, which means another of a different kind, and the other is allos which is used in this particular verse of John 14, and that means another of the same exact kind. So Jesus was telling them, and this is what is used in John 14, when Jesus said, I'm gonna send you another comforter or another helper. It was the Greek word alos, which means I'm going to send someone that is just like me. He was preparing them for his departure for three years, three years, three and a half years, he was their leader, their teacher, their mentor, their revelator, their healer, their coach, their God, their Lord, he was their all in all, he was their total focus, so he was letting them know, I'm not leaving you as orphans, I, as, when I leave this earth, I am sending you a spirit, the Holy Spirit, God, who's gonna be to you, what I have been to you these last three and a half years. Amen? Amen. That was good news to them, and it's really good news to us too. He went on to promise that the Holy Spirit would do certain things that would help them in their everyday lives. Not only would it help them in their everyday lives, but the Holy Spirit would also empower them, would also authorize them to do the works of Jesus. Jesus said, and greater works will you do when, because I go to my Father. When you study that portion of scripture, now, scripture out, you find out that these greater acts are not greater in raising the dead, or not greater in healing or the brokenhearted, opening blind eyes, have, you know, causing the lame to walk. Greater is in number because there are more of us than there were of Jesus. He was one man. But look at us, look at just us in this room. Isn't that amazing? And the body of Christ is so much bigger than us in this room. John 14, verse 26, Jesus said this, but the helper, and we're gonna break it down now, we're gonna unpack this portion of scripture. Whom the Father will send in my name, what? Number one, we're gonna look at different things that the Holy Spirit is do will do in our lives to equip us to help us in our everyday lives and to help us to do the work of the ministry and to re-present Jesus Christ on this earth today. He will teach us all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit was to take on the same... T- the same task or responsibility as Jesus did when he was here on this earth. Everything that Jesus did as far as teaching the disciples, the Holy Spirit was going to be doing for the disciples in his absence. The Holy Spirit would be doing for generations to all believers in Jesus Christ to help us in our everyday lives, to teach us everything we needed to know. Now, do you think that God is a good teacher? He is. He's not going to lead us astray. He's going to teach us what we need to know. He knows how to teach each one of us. How many of us were in school and our learning style was like so drastically different from the way certain teachers tried to teach us? And it felt so frustrating because we, we just couldn't get it. Well, he knows how to get it to us. Amen? He knows how we're wired. He knows we're knit together by God, so he knows what makes us tick. He knows how he needs to say something for us to have that aha moment. The Holy Ghost knows how to do that as our teacher. The NIV Theological Dictionary of New Testament Words gives the primary meaning for the word teach as to teach, inform, instruct, demonstrate and prescribe the word is used typically for the relationship between a teacher and a pupil an instructor and an apprentice what is taught may not only what is taught may be not only knowledge opinions or facts listen to this but also artistic and technical skills all of which are to be systematically and thoroughly acquired by the learner through the activity of the teacher. So, if you're a craftsman in here tonight, expect the Holy Spirit as the master craftsman, craftsman, to show you how to excel supernaturally in your business. After all, he 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 built the temple. That's amazing. He told Noah how to build that ark. That's amazing. He knows all manner of craftsmanship. He is skilled when it comes to instrumentation and music. If you're a worshiper, believe God. If you play an instrument, believe the Holy Spirit before you play that instrument that the Spirit of God is going to show you how to play your instrument supernaturally as you usher usher the body of Christ into the presence of God. He's constantly wanting to teach us, church, constantly. And it's our responsibility to listen and to obey The truths, because he's the spirit of truth, listen and obey, retain the revelation, retain the knowledge so that we can live from that supernatural place of victory because he will lead us to victory in our lives every single time. He will help us recall everything we need to remember, but you have to understand this. You have to have it in there in order for it to come out. Like t- I like the tube of toothpaste. I used to be a dental hygienist, and I, I picture a tube of Crest toothpaste. You squeeze that toothpaste, and you expect toothpaste to come out. If you have not put any word in, or you haven't stored it up, filled up your spirit with the word of God, then there's nothing for him to bring back. If there's nothing there, he can't bring it back to you. If there's little there... He can't bring it back to you. But when we are students of the word and we are storing the word of God and keeping the word of God in the center of our heart, he will give us the recollection we need to remember exactly what Jesus said to each one of us in the written word, but also the rhema word, the written word being the logos, that's the Greek word, and the rhema word being the word that the spirit of God speaks to us at specific chronological or chronological times, I don't need to get into that word. He will let us know what we need to know when we know it. And you remember in the Gospels, Jesus said, you know what, it was the book of Acts. You know what, don't fret, don't be anxious, because when you come before the Romans or tribunals, don't be anxious for what you're gonna say, because the Spirit of God is gonna give you exactly what you need to say in that very hour. The Holy Spirit can be trusted, he's truthful, He's not a liar. We can, If he says it to us, we can always believe him. Amen. Let's look at John 15, 26. Jesus also saying, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, here's a number three point. He will testify of me. In other words, Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit will testify of me. This word means to witness or to give a good report. Church, the Holy Spirit is crazy about Jesus. He, when you get to know him intimately, he gushes about the Lord Jesus Christ. He adores him. He extols him. The Holy Spirit worships Jesus Christ. And when we partner with him and allow him to work through us, he will allow us to testify or be witnesses of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ supernaturally. How many of you have been praying for your family members or your friends? And you're with them and you're like, oh Lord, open the door, open the door. Please give me what to say. What do I have to say to this person? I don't want them going to hell. I wanna, I'm here, you know, just Holy Spirit, just speak to me. And you get nothing, I mean a fat zero. You're like, oh my gosh, I've been praying for this person and I'm getting nothing right now. But when the Holy Ghost comes up on you and anoints you and fills your mouth, you almost want to have a recorder because you're like, did I just, I think of Steve Urkel, did I just say that? (laughs) But you're like that, you're like, oh my gosh, that was good, what did I just say? No, seriously, because it's the wisdom of God in operation in and through you for that person. So the Holy Spirit allows us to testify in a seamless, easy, and powerful way. Amen? So not only is he going to testify of Jesus, but he's going to help us when it comes to us sharing the gospel with others. John 16, 13 through 14, Jesus again saying, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, number four, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Now, the Holy Ghost is the person, is the member of the Godhead on this earth today that is here to give us divine guidance. And that is one of the biggest challenges that we each face in our lifetime. We want to know. What is God saying to us? What is he instructing us to do? How is he guiding us? The Holy Spirit is here to do that. And isn't it a relief? Think about it. That the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're born again, you're born from above, you're a child of God, God's Spirit is in you to lead you and to guide you. And he's been given the responsibility of leading and guiding us sometime all the time, all the time we can count on the spirit of truth to guide us and to lead us into all truth. Number five, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, me being Jesus. A significant part of the Holy Spirit's ministry is to, de- is to reveal details to us about future events in our lives. He wants to prepare us for the future. He doesn't want us to be caught off guard. He will show us things we need to know. And some examples I wanted to give you in my personal life, we don't have much time left, so I'm going to be really quick. There was a time in my life when things were, were very, very difficult in my, in my marriage and in my home. And the Holy Spirit just said to me, one morning as I'm preparing breakfast for my children, gird yourself up, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Just like talking like you and I would talk, you know, not any yees and these and thou's and (laughs) King James, but gird yourself up, it's going to be a bumpy ride. And bumpy ride it was. He gave me knowledge. He told me in advance, seeing in advance what was going to happen, he prepared me so that I wasn't caught Unaware, and it gave me great comfort as I was going through those that bumpy ride, to know that the God that was in, that had in, in, that was indwelling me, had already told me it was coming, and I knew that He was going to be the waymaker to make the rough places smooth. Amen? Amen. The crooked places straight, and He bringing the high places low. Amen. I'm just going to give you that one example. I had a couple more, but we don't have the time. Number six, and the final point we're going to look at tonight. For he, this is Jesus speaking, he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. One of the roles Jesus said that the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit would carry out would be the ministry of glorifying Jesus. In this context, the word glorify means that the Holy Spirit would extol Magnify, glorify, and worship Christ. One of the chief roles that the Holy Spirit has on this earth today is adulation and fame, giving adulation and fame to Jesus. The Holy Ghost never draws attention to himself. He always points us to Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we as believers can test spirits and when when there are certain things operating in the realm of the spirit and what appears to be gifts or manifestations of the Holy Spirit, we can test spirits to know, is Jesus Christ Lord? Because anything that is not of the Holy Spirit, but it's of an unholy spirit, will never, because of the pride that a a counterfeit operates by, will never give credit to the Lord Jesus Christ, will never submit to his lordship. Amen? Amen. We may better understand the function of the Holy Spirit if we take into consider the very first mention of the Holy Spirit in the book of Genesis. This gives us a good idea of how the Holy Spirit operates. And I'm going to leave off here, and Pastor's going to resume with this teaching next week because I want to give those of you that are here tonight the opportunity to receive further the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We've already talked about Jesus Christ having to shed his blood for the remission of sins, and that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Before God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, could be released into this earth, Jesus Christ had to shed his blood. He's already shed his blood, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out. But unless you have personally allowed the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you from your sin, you are not qualified. Does that make sense? To receive the Holy Spirit, you have to receive Jesus Christ first. And by acknowledging that Jesus Christ came to this earth to pay the price for your sin, that he suffered, died, and was buried, and he went to hell in your place, by asking him, receiving him as your Savior and Lord to come into your life, to remove the sin because we all have sinned the bible says in the book of romans and come short or fall short of god's glorious standard all of us were born into sin there's nothing that a human being has to do to go to hell there's absolutely nothing because sin is what separates us sin cannot exist in the presence of a holy god he loves us and the holy spirit is, is also, we're told in the Bible, we haven't gotten into it tonight, on this earth to convict the world of sin. Those that don't know Jesus, what does the convicting mean? It means that the spirit of God is here to render a verdict, a guilty or a not guilty. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're judged as not guilty because he took all of our sin, past, present, and future. That's good news. Sin is judged. It was judged on the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we refuse to accept what Jesus did for us to deal with that sin, then we are choosing to be eternally separated from God. The Holy Spirit is here to convict us, but not to just con- not to condemn us, to point us to Jesus Christ. He bridges the separation that sin causes and has caused between man and God. Jesus Christ is God's way. He's the answer. He's the only way. And he, he's ready. He's here. And I know that the spirit of God has been moving amongst us tonight to convict those of us, to have us acknowledge, yeah, something's not right. I, I, I just, I am not right with God. But you want to be tonight. If you do, will you be reconciled to Jesus tonight? That's a work of the Holy Spirit. No one can come to Jesus except the Spirit of God draws them. And I know that God has been drawing hearts tonight. So if that's you, before, while everybody's being dismissed in just a little while, please come forward. We're going to have prayer workers up here by the platform that would love to pray with you to receive Jesus and answer any questions that you might have about Jesus Christ. Christ